the next episode of Nerd Clicks and Chill will start in three, two, one, zero. Hey everybody, this is Nick. And this is Carrie. And we are Nerd Flicks and Chill. And in this episode, we are going to be talking about Marvel's latest film, Black Panther, directed by Ryan Coogler and starring Chadwick Boseman and Michael B. Jordan and a host of other phenomenal actors and actresses. Uh, this was Marvel's, um, you know, one of their boldest films to date. It's one that we've been kind of looking at. Uh, throughout the months as, as it's been leading up towards the film. It's one that we've been really, really excited about. And now it's here, Carrie. Black Panther is here. Oh my gosh. And what, I, I was going to say what an entrance, but he made an entrance on screen. What was it? A, a year or two ago in um, Civil War. Yes. And to me, he was the standout character in that film. Right. And I am so glad that he was able to be fully, fully realized on screen with his own solo movie. And spoiler alert, it did not disappoint me whatsoever. Right. Yeah. I mean, Black Panther is here and it is a cultural bomb that is going off right now in a great way. I'm not I was like, gonna say. In, a, in a very good way. <laughs> like it is it is a a monumental, culturally impactful film uh, that we're seeing. And uh, I, I mean, I love this movie. I love it. And maybe the thing that I love most is the director, Ryan Coogler. Uh, I just want to talk about Ryan Coogler really quickly. Go for it. The first Ryan Coogler film I saw was his first movie. It came out in uh, 2013. It was called Fruitvale Station, and it was about the death of a guy named Oscar Grant. Oscar Grant was a, a young man who was inadvertently killed on the bar train in Oakland when uh, a, he was detained by a police officer, and instead of pulling out his taser, the police officer, uh, I, I, I guess, inadvertently pulled out his gun and shot Oscar Grant. And that was the first film that Ryan Coogler made. And uh, it was a great debut. We've talked on this show recently about the directorial debut of Greta Gerwig for Lady Bird and Jordan Peele for Get Out. Well, that was his. Well, then two years go by and people are like, man, this Coogler guy is pretty good. Then he makes a movie called Creed. And at first, when the first trailers for Creed came out, there were a lot of people that were not aware that it was a spinoff of Rocky. And when they became aware, they were like, oh, I don't know, Rocky spinoff, sounds kind of lame, not sure how this could be good. And then sure enough, it was one of the best surprises of 2015. It's actually a very good movie, so much so that people thought that Sylvester Stallone could have gotten an Oscar nomination, and I always like to think that Oscars tend to follow directors as much as they follow actors, because it's up to the director to get the performance out. Obviously, the actor has to give it, but the director has to help kind of create the environment to get that performance out of the guy. Yeah, I remember I remember you talking about that movie and raving and... Just uh, uh, how much it just really blew you away and surprised you. Yeah, it is. It is a very enjoyable film. And, you know, after the success of Creed, he was given the task of directing 
Black Panther. It is the uh, first African-American-led big-budget Marvel film, big-budget comic book film we've seen. I know we've seen a few others throughout history, uh, like Blade and a few other films that are like that, but nothing to this scale that's been done. And it all fell on on Ryan Coogler's shoulders. And the one thing I haven't mentioned is Ryan Coogler is 31 years old. Yeah, that's that just uh, is incredible. Yeah. So, I mean, that was one of the things I was really excited about was seeing Coogler's take on a big budget film. And I got to tell you, this might be my favorite Marvel movie. Yeah. I really love it. Yeah, I do too. I, I, for so many reasons. I mean, not just for the cultural implications and, and everything that surrounds this. But it's a damn good film. It is. I think it's 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 one of the most. Uh, it, it has the characters with so much depth, and I don't think we've seen anything like that in any other type of comic book film with this much depth to not just the hero but the villain as well, and. Oh, I, I can't wait to get into this and really talk about it. Um, because just the more that I think about this movie, the more I am just completely and utterly impressed and completely blown away by it. Yeah. And I think one of the things that we're going to be talking about a little bit is some of the, the cultural impact of it. And like, we're, we're a couple of white people. It's going to be hard for us to talk about how this will impact, uh, African American culture in the United States. Uh, but it is, it is a film that embraces its own culture. It embraces its own roots and it, it, it borrows little pieces, uh, you know, from actual history. And, uh, it's really tremendous. But the thing that I kind of wanted to talk about is, from a representation standpoint, we have talked about it on this show before. Representation matters. It matters so much. And it is amazing to see so many kids now uh, identifying with Black Panther, with T'Challa, or identifying with uh, Shuri, who to me is the runaway success of this freaking movie. Like, she's yeah. an amazing character. And that, that, representation is there to provide a sense of validation and that validation provides a sense of belonging. And that's why it cannot be overstated the value of representation. Like I'm a white male. I cannot fully grasp representation because I've never known a world without it. You know? Yeah. And to, to kind of see the importance of it, to see how this film is going to inspire, to see how uh, this film is going to have a cultural impact. It is just an absolute joy. I love it when a film can be so transcendent. Well, and I think, too, that it's it's transcendent, but it like it reaches and, and it reaches out to everybody. You know, it, it's not um, it's. It's uh, it's inclusive as well. It, yes. It's, that's the thing that is just so <laughs> it's so fucking refreshing to right. see. And yeah. I loved the mix of people that were in the theater. I loved uh 
I mean, not just in my particular showing, but in the actual theater itself, because this movie ended up dominating each of the available theaters in the <laughs> the movie theater that I was in. They had added so many shows where there was, I think, a new Black Panther movie starting like every 30 minutes. Yeah. It was crazy. I think that was more showings than like Star Wars. And the theater was packed. I've never seen the concession line at this theater this busy. And I went to a matinee on a Saturday, which that theater is usually dead. And this was, you would have thought it was like a midnight showing of a really big, well, it is a big budget movie, but you would think it was like a midnight showing on opening day with the way that the the energy and the feeling that was in that theater. And so many people that I had never seen at this theater before. And it was just, it was such a good feeling and everybody was so excited. And I was waiting in line for popcorn and people started talking to each other and, and everybody was comic book nerds and um, of all different races and, and ages and, you know, from kids to adults and, talking about a recent um, uh, convention that's going to be coming up and they were talking about who are you going to go dressed as and people were talking about dressing up as Blade and people were going to be dressing up as Black Panther and uh, oh gosh, it was just so exciting that all these people were coming together over this one movie and that was even before the movie started and then yeah. Um, yeah, I with going in with such an amazing positive wonderful energy and then to experience that movie and and the energy that was emanated from emanating from people as they were watching the movie was just something that was it was a moving experience to yeah. experience that movie and i will never ever forget that yeah, we don't get films like this very often that are that are culturally no. significant in the moment that they're being released. But you brought up a really great point, and it's something you said about this film that it's actually really true of Ryan Coogler's other work. For those of you guys, if this is your first experience for a Ryan Coogler film, go back and watch Creed and go back and watch Fruitvale Station. You will see that he has a very distinct storytelling style, and it's evident in Black Panther as well. But the thing that I love about what Ryan Coogler does, it made me think about Fruitvale Station in particular. Fruitvale Station is kind of, I mean, it is a very uh, sad story. Uh, and it's about a character, like the Oscar Grant character is a very difficult character for, uh, you know, like a white dude living on the East Coast of the United States to understand. Like, it's just a, I don't have any of the commonality of life experience of, of an Oscar Grant. So when I think about how Ryan Coogler told that story he's so great at being true to the roots of the story that he's telling but it's not inaccessible he has little things that he does along the way to make some of the cultural elements accessible to a broader audience like ways to kind of introduce things that that relativize people on a human level and it is a real real talent that he has there's a dinner scene in fruitvale station that 
even though these characters are from a completely different world. There's like a, a, a recognition that you have in that scene in Fruitvale Station that allows you to understand that character on a, on a much more uh, human level. It allows you to relate to his characters a little bit. And you get a little bit of that in Creed as well with the way the Adonis Creed character has this kind of relationship with Rocky that is this very uh, sweet, very tender relationship between these two very uh, um, kind of hard-nosed people. And so he has this way of making films accessible. And that, to me, is what is, makes him such a brilliant young talent. Yeah, it's... Um, I, I think this movie is going to impact many people on in many different ways. I mean, not only are you going to have people who are now finally able to, or, or children that are able to see themselves and and see somebody that looks like them on the screen, but you're going to have people like myself who are, I don't, God, I don't know. I don't know how to say it, but it just, it opened my eyes. It made me, I don't know. I, I, I don't know how to put into words some of the things that I, I felt by watching this movie and it, it just, it made me feel very full and it made me feel just very happy to be able to see these things on the screen that I've never seen before. And it made me feel, um, I don't know. It, it made me feel richer. Yeah. I guess for it. Um, and then in, in hearing, some of my friends' experiences in seeing this movie. The only thing that I can really, I was trying to kind of relate to some of the, the feelings that they had. And I know that I've talked about the really surprising visceral um, experience that I had when I saw Wonder Woman. And now having a, a strong female superhero was you know a huge thing to have this movie but it just it in no way compares to what black panther presented itself but i can understand even if only for a sliver of understanding what that must have felt like or what it does feel like for a lot of my friends and how they have described their experience in seeing Black Panther and and being overcome with emotion in seeing this movie and not expecting to have that kind of feeling. That's what I had in Wonder Woman. And I can only imagine how much more magnetized that is. Yeah. And, yeah. and it was such a powerful experience for me to, to get that, you know, surprising visceral um, feeling that I just, it, it, uh, like I said, I can hardly even, it leaves me at a loss for words because I just, I can't, I can't find the words, but it's, it's all this wonderful glowing feeling that I am radiating and yeah. I'm at a loss. Well, one of the, the things that Marvel has had a hard time with are first movies for some of their heroes because they tend to be a little bit bland and repetitive and the other problem that Marvel has had in their films are these really kind of underdeveloped villains. Yeah. Both of those things are not true of Black Panther. 
Black Panther is a great introduction to this world and to these characters. Although I think one of the things that's kind of funny about this film is that T'Challa is the least interesting character in the entire movie. And that may be a criticism, but it also just is that you have all these kick-ass other characters. Um, but the villains in this movie are awesome. Oh, yeah. They're so good. Yeah. Andy Serkis, seeing him not in a mocap suit, just chewing the fuck out of the scenery <laughs> is an absolute pleasure. Does he look like he is having so much fun playing that role or what? Oh my gosh, yes. And and how cool, and I just, I can't help it, but how cool was it to see him sitting in a chair? It was like, it's Bilbo and Gollum. Yes. Like, I just, the- I couldn't help it, but it was awesome. Yeah, the the uh, the joke that went around online was that the uh, only two white guys in the movie were Bilbo and Gollum, and they were like the Tolkien white boys. Oh, I get it. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, and so watching Andy Serkis chew the scenery is amazing. But to me, uh, Michael B. Jordan's performance, oh, it's so damn good. Michael B. Jordan as Killmonger is one of Marvel's most well-fleshed-out villains that they've ever put on screen. I agree. I agree. And the, and not just in his performance, but the fucking writing. I, yes. I just When I get so excited and passionate about something, I can't help it. I throw the F-bomb like nobody's business. Yeah. But the writing for this character, I don't think I've ever seen a villain on screen that was I mean, you have T'Challa and you have Killmonger and it's not purely, you know, white hat and and black hat. It's right. not good guy versus bad guy. Both of them are in a complete puddle of gray somewhere in the middle. Both of them take on the good guy and the bad guy role throughout this movie. And that's so fascinating. And it made for such a dynamic movie. And it made for such, uh, just, it made for such a dynamic, um, um, fight between the two of them. And I found it so compelling. And, yeah. uh, we have not seen anything like this. Not even just in a Marvel movie, but in any kind of superhero movie. Well, you know, I mean, I it's think about- so good. I think about the motivations, right? And Killmonger's motivations, I mean, you can, like, his he's got the wrong plan. His plan is completely wrong, and it would definitely have made the world a worse place. But it is very difficult to disagree with his motivations. Yeah. And that's what makes him such a good villain. It's oh, really completely. difficult to disagree with his motivations. Yeah, you can completely understand where he came from, and and... You can understand what he's wanting to achieve, although the execution of it and and the result of it wouldn't be good. But you can understand his motivation and, and why. And then on the other side of it, you can see T'Challa and what he was doing. And he thinks he's being good, but really what he was doing was kind of it was incredibly exclusive and um in an essence you know to killmonger t'challa was the bad guy he was the villain and right. and killmonger's thinking that he's he's the hero and he's going to share all of this with everybody but again his it's because his motivations were 
a bit more selfish, even though it was, you know, going to be, um, he was doing it on a platform of, you know, good for everybody. Um, I, I just, I love that there was this yin and yang between the two of them. And they kind of handed off the, you know, good guy, bad guy stuff throughout the movie. It was so interesting because you could follow along with both and understand both of their plights, which was incredible. Yeah, I mean, it is a really interesting dynamic between those two characters because, you know, they they very much are yin and yang and you see that there is a sympathy that T'Challa has for uh Killmonger like that that you know it, it, it there's like an authenticity to it um one of the one of the themes in Ryan Coogler's films and you know one of the things that he does really really well is um he will establish a character and then you get to know the character a little bit, but he hides the character's true motivations. He hides the character's true motivations throughout the film and then waits for the perfect moment to reveal them. He did this in Creed, uh, like in that, in that film, Adonis Creed, you, you know that he's a fighter and you know all this other stuff, but you don't know why he fights. And Kugler waits until like five minutes before the movie's over to reveal it. And it carries the emotional weight of the entire film. He does something very similar here by revealing Killmonger's, um, you know, lineage a little bit later on down the line and, and understanding yeah. those motivations. The other thing that I love about Killmonger is that, uh, he is so much of this film kind of stands on ceremony where you have this like royalty and all this other stuff. But when he enters a scene, he is pure disruption. There is no formality. There is no ceremony. He is just here to shake things up. And that provides such a great contrast in this film. It's just awesome to watch. Yeah, because you see T'Challa just has this, um, I guess, he's reserved. And much of, of him and what he feels, it's, it's all internalized. And... Um, just so much composure. But then again, with this yin and yang and this, you know, opposites, you do have Killmonger where he's just like, he's a fireball where he is just exuding passion and, and it radiates off of him. So, I mean, it is literally almost like having a fireball and then like a, a ball of ice or something to compare the two of them. Yeah, and like you, you sit there and you think about this whole encounter and kind of how tragic it is in a way. And you know that T'Challa kind of senses the tragedy of it, which kind of leads to the whole final scene between T'Challa uh, and Killmonger, you know, overlooking the Wakandan sunset. And then you get Killmonger's line, bury me in the ocean with my ancestors oh. who jumped from ships because they knew death was better than bondage. That might be one of the best last lines for a character yes. I've ever fucking heard in a movie. Unbelievable. That, that line blew me away and it drove me to tears. I just, a tear streaming down my face with that line. It was like, holy fuck, that was so powerful. 
And that was the second time. That was the second time in this movie. I cried twice in this movie. Two times. That was the first one, or that was the second one. The first one was when T'Challa was undergoing that um, ceremony where he had to drink the the heart flower. And he sees his father. And I've mentioned this before. Anything that has to deal with fathers and like father and son or father daughter relationship, especially if it has to do with the father being passed away, just as like an instant on switch for tears in me, whether I, I just have no control over it. So I completely started crying during that scene. But yeah, this last scene with Killmonger, oh my gosh, the just the sheer magnitude of that line and and the whole thing with that scene with the the empathy and and the beauty of what T'Challa was doing and showing mm-hmm. him the sunset and then to have this immensely powerful line just filled me with emotion that I couldn't contain and came out of my eyeballs. Well, and Killmonger <laughs> gets his own ancestral plane scene as well, and that's yeah. really touching too. Yeah. And, you know, I I was just blown away by some of those dynamics that they were able to create. Uh, another piece of this film that I love is the cast. The cast of this movie is so strong, top to bottom, that, yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, Bozeman and Michael B. Jordan, Lupita Nyong'o, who is so great. Uh, she also is just distractingly gorgeous. Like, oh, yeah. She is one of the most beautiful women on the planet. I mean, a mega talent also. Uh, her yeah. character, Nakia, really great. Denai Guerrera as Okoye from the uh, Dora Milaje, awesome. Stunning. Daniel Kaluuya, Martin Freeman, Andy Serkis, Letitia Wright, Sterling K. Brown, uh, Angela Bassett, Forrest Whitaker. I mean, this cast is so loaded and everybody brought it. Yeah, there was not there was not a weak performance or a weak link in this cast whatsoever. No. Um yeah, everything was strong. I I I can usually find some kind of criticism in almost anything. But I'm having I'm and it's not a bad thing. I'm having a hard time with this one. I thought some of it was so much of it was just so incredibly strong. I loved the score. Oh my gosh. The Holy score. cow, the score is incredible. As they're entering Wakanda, amazing. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. Uh, I thought the fight choreography was incredible. I was on the edge of my seat during the these these trials or the during the um the competition. Yeah. That, um, T'Challa was facing. I, I was on the edge of my seat. It was so good. Uh, like, oh my gosh, the costuming. The costuming was gorgeous. The costuming in this movie, I'm not kidding. It needs to be nominated for Oscars next year. The costuming yeah. and overall production design of this film are superb. They are yeah. really good. They are exceptional, not just for a comic book movie, but for any movie. There is such a style mix happening here. Like the dude who has kind of the plate in his lip, but he's wearing these really slick suits. That is a really awesome creation from a I costuming love, perspective. Yeah, I love how 
the costume designer mixed in little bits of all different types of African tradition and heritage and each and all of the different tribes that make up Wakanda. Um, I, I just thought it, it was beautiful and rich and yeah, I, stunning. I really don't want this movie by the time Oscars come around for next year. I don't want this to be forgotten and I don't I think it will not. be. I hope I don't not, because, think... oh, there's some worthy stuff in here. Yeah, I agree. I mean, if I had to lay out my criticisms, I have a few, but they're not big. They're nothing that, like, that really takes me out of the movie. Uh, there are a couple of CG elements that don't work. The CG rhinos were a little bit odd to me. Um, also, the first action scene with Black Panther is a little clunky, shaky cam, night in the jungle, lit by bullets. It's a little disorienting. Yeah. I think those are two of my my criticisms. And I think the other criticism I would have is that T'Challa's story isn't really as fleshed out as it could have been. I think he makes it. I think the actor, Chadwick Boseman, I think he makes it more interesting because of his performance. But there's not a whole lot of journey for... T'Challa, the journey of the characters around him is actually more interesting. Um, but yeah. I'm invested in those other characters. So those were my criticisms primarily, but you know, they're, they are relatively, uh, they're, you know, small in comparison to what I loved. No, I, yeah, I, I think you have some really good points there, but it, it, it's so minor, so minor when looking at, the expanse of everything else. Yeah. I do like the power dynamics that T'Challa is faced with, though, because there's a lot of questions in here about power and privilege. There are things that are reflective of our actual world with conversations about refugees, where Daniel Kaluuya's character actually says, if you bring refugees into Wakanda, you bring their problems with you. And that sounded very similar to what we hear in current politics in the United States right now. And it's it's interesting to hear those social issues being played out in a Marvel film. Like, to me, in a lot of ways, this was the first Marvel film that was really about something. Something that was real and tangible in our current world. Oh, completely. And, um, yeah. It, I hope that... I don't know. I, I hope that that people really get the message or, or, or one of or the many messages that this movie is sending. And this movie says so much. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, this is, this is, I think the most, I don't know, in, in, in I don't know. It was the most affected I've been by a Marvel film. So I think that's why it's my favorite. But you know what? The thing that just blows me away too is it even if you were to take away the superhero the marvelness of it yeah it's still a pretty good fucking movie yeah like you don't you even take, have to you have you can take that. black panther out of this movie you can take the cat suit out and i'm in yeah. i'm in on this film yeah exactly as a matter of fact what i would really like to see i would like to see like Valkyrie and Gamora and Nebula and Black Widow team up with uh, Nakia and Okoye and Shuri and do like a Ladies of Marvel flick. Throw Captain Holy Marvel sh- in there as well. I'd Holy watch that shit. shit in a second. That would be fucking amazing. <laughs> yeah. Because I, I, I mentioned her at the at the, kind of the top of the podcast, but 
I, I got to talk about Shuri for a minute, yeah. T'Challa's sister in the film, because she is the runaway success of this movie. She is the most likable, interesting, charismatic character in a film full of likable, interesting, charismatic characters. Yeah. Uh, she's played so well by Letitia Wright. I love the idea that the kind of, uh, that the, the tech expert weapon supplier genius is played by, you know, the, I think the character, I think she's only supposed to be like 16 years old in the film. So I like that. I also like the brother sister dynamic between the two of them. Uh, yeah. she is so much fun to watch. I think she gets the, the best line in the film too when she calls Martin Freeman's character colonizer. Uh, I, it's just so great. She's just, oh, she's awesome. I agree. Anytime she was on screen, it was like, oh, good. What's she going to say next? What is she going to introduce us to? Like she, um, as the way T'Challa was in Civil War is how she was to me in this movie. Like, any time he was on screen in Civil War, it was like, okay, I know this scene is going to be really good. And any time that she was on screen in this movie, I was like, okay, I know this is going to be really good. Even though, amongst a bunch of scenes that were all really good, but I knew especially I was going to really like it because I did. I liked her a lot. She was just, um, she exuded so much radiance and, um... Uh, yeah, just so much delight and personality. I just, I really enjoyed her very much. You know, it's just, again, just a young girl, like kind of a science genius too. Uh, there have been actually some articles. I know 538 put out an article about how her character could be, uh, in a, in a film that's going to have a lot of cultural impact, her character could be the game changer in inspiring wow. young women in, in fields of like, you know, science. Oh, I love that. Yeah, super cool. I mean, just her character is a breath of fresh air. Just, you know, the way she she is that genius, but she also has her own uh, courage and bravery and fight that's in her as well. Uh, she's, yeah, just a joy to watch on the screen. Uh, the other character that I really loved is Umbaku from the Jabari tribe, mm-hmm. the gorilla tribe that lives in like the snow, the snowy mountains. Uh, yeah. Man, is he fun. His accent is so bizarre. It's such a bizarre character choice, but I really dig it. Yeah, I liked him. I especially, especially liked him with his face off with Martin Freeman was just lovely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You just put him in his, but you don't get to speak here. It was, I don't know if that's exactly what he said, but I loved it. And plus, I was, uh, you know, Martin Freeman speaking with an American accent was just so weird. Yeah. So weird to me and so off putting. And I'm like, yes, that's right. You tell him to not talk. He doesn't need to talk. Yeah. And I mean, again, you know, those characters are really great. The storytelling here is really great. Um, you know, I, I, I couldn't help but think about like Wakanda and the vibranium and how there is kind of a similarity in there between that like precious resource, that vibranium to kind of what's going on in the modern day Congo with they have the uh, mineral in the Congo that's used in like manufacturing like computer chips and products like that and it's something that that was actually mentioned in mr robot that's actually a big part of that show 
So it was an interesting tie-in using the vibranium in Wakanda to kind of make a social statement about something that is also currently happening right now. I was not aware of that at all, actually. Yeah, it, it's uh, it's an interesting kind of tie-in to the real world. And, you know, another another one of those things that helps round out this movie so much. Sorry, I was jumping around a little bit there, and that kind of came to me at the, at the moment. But, uh, again... It, 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 this is one of the first Marvel films that's really saying something of, of substance and value. Yeah, and it's so refreshing to have that and to have it be executed so um, just expertly done. And and again, we, we always do this because you can't help it, but you have to compare it to... DC movies, which to me now feel more like Michael Bay movies every time we get them. I think this makes other Marvel movies feel that way. Yeah, it does that too. I would agree with that completely. And then uh, another thing that I want to mention too are the Dora Milaje, the uh, Wakandan warriors led by Denai Guerra's character Okoye. What did you think of this army of badass women? Holy crap. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. I love that not, not only are they just complete badasses, but I loved that they were able to show personality. They were able to show um, the depth of their character as well. I, I loved being able to see her struggle in her loyalty to T'Challa, but then also to her country and, and her, what her duty was. And, uh, and then also the amazing confrontation between her and her love that they had on the battlefield. That line gave me chills when he asks her, he's like, you know, you would kill me, my love or my love, you would kill me. And, and she's, looking him down she's like for wakanda without question and then he just drops his weapon and kneels before her yeah that's really beautiful it's really holy holy crap just even talking about that scene gives me goosebumps it's like it's like a submission to her power which i think is really very sweet in that well it's not it's not only that but it's it's that he is he's submitting to her because he realizes that it's like he doesn't trust himself you know and so and and so he's he has that realization and then just completely gives over to her his trust and everything and that is so incredibly powerful and i just found that really moving um so i i love that they were able to show her and these warriors with this incredible amount of depth as and what's well. really what's really interesting about the Dora Milaje is they are based on uh, real life warriors there was uh, a group of women in the 1800s the Dahomey warriors they were kind of uh, uh, loyal to their king and one of the old stories about them was that when the French colonized the um, the area and they defeated the Dahomey. They took the uh, warriors to their tents as spoils of war. 
and they endured all kinds of suffering and, and stuff like that. But uh, at night, when the soldiers were sleeping, the women would wake up and bite their throats out, rip Whoa. their throats out with their teeth, and the French stopped taking those women ever again. Wow. Fuck. So there, there are some real-life badass, um, you know, based on some real-life badass women. Uh, and the other part of that, too, it, it, while we're talking about that particular scene with uh, Okoye and, um, you know, her her guy, whose name I can't remember, Daniel Kaluuya, it's one character name in this movie I can't get, was his. Um, there's, a, there's a certain kind of tragedy in what happens to Wakanda, where you have these tribes that all feel united, and you have this external force that comes in, and is a disruptor and kind of ruins the peace and serenity. Like this idea that you have this kind of, um, kind of anti establishment, anti institutionalist that comes in and everybody then gets pitted against each other. And then all of a sudden, this beautiful place is now corrupted by war and violence. And this is something that has been uh, true in the colonization of a lot of African nations in their own history. Again, that is a very real-life aspect that this movie is trying to convey in this pristine world. It's uh, just a, a really great piece of storytelling. Like, you can see where those inspirations from the real world come from. Like, that's where you could see where, uh, Ryan Coogler and, uh, the other, the other writer on this, whose name escapes me at the moment, where they were when they were putting this film together. I mean, it's just touching on so much reality. And that's, you know, one of the things that we've talked about when, we talk about Game of Thrones or we talk about, um, you know, Star Wars from these, you know, these massive epic stories that draw from either what, what their inspiration is, whether it be something historical like Game of Thrones or, um, when you have Star Wars that's, you know, pulled from, um, it's pulling from mythology and, um, even from, um, past movies. For whatever reason, that just, it, it roots it. It, it, it makes it seem that much more believable and that much more real when it, it's drawing from things that either we might be a little bit familiar with or that, um, I don't know. It's just, it's that kind of, it, that kind of inspiration that just makes, uh, what you're seeing seem that much more real. Right. Right. And yeah, and, you know, the, I mean, the, the, not only the political stuff, but also like even little things in the set design. So, uh, the production designer on this film was Hannah Beachler. And, uh, some of the influences came from like different African countries where you have, there's Ugandan and Rwandan and Burundian influence and influence from the Congo and Ethiopia. There's actually influence outside of Africa altogether. There's some Indian influence. So you got that coming in from Asia as well. But then they also used Blade Runner as kind of a reference for some of the design of Wakanda. So it was this idea of borrowing from, you know, the, the history and just making it all come together. Because the other part of this that people uh, don't really often think about, and Ryan Coogler definitely did, he actually has spoken about this, where he talked about um, 
African history and working it into helping kind of flesh out what Wakanda would look like and be like and feel like. And one of his quotes was, uh, there are many African countries, each with different histories, mythologies, and cultures. There are several tribes who live amongst each other, and together they make the identity of their country. We honor, um, or we honed in on some of that history and cultural influences, and then kind of made estimations on how to bring it all together. So there is a conscious effort to work in all aspects of this enormous continent's rich history. I really hope that we get some kind of really in-depth making of once this movie ends up coming out um, digitally or on Blu-ray and DVD. I, I hope that there's a lot of of the, those little bits of history, like here's this costume and this is where we took this from and here's the history of that. I, I would love to find out more of what they pulled things from. I know that there's little bits and pieces out there now, but I, I hope they had the foresight to record a lot of this during the process. Right. I think they probably did. I mean, another I person, so. another person who deserves a lot of credit here. We mentioned it earlier though, Ruth Carter, who did the costume design. Have you ever heard yeah. of somebody who takes influences from like the Maasai and Donna Karen? You know, it's like, <laughs> it's, it's like getting the the uh tribal stuff from like the Maasai or the Himba or the Dogon or any of these other things and they're they're tying them into more contemporary designers as well to come up with the clothing of these of these characters. I mean just I love the thought and the attention to detail is it's just incredible. Yeah. Yeah, just such a rich palette and and with all of the different textures and the different shapes and lines in all of the costumes and all of the set design, but then also the color. Oh my gosh, the color throughout this yes. movie. It, it's just, yeah. it's, I, it's, there's so much eye candy, uh, in this movie and, and the people as well. It just beautiful, but yeah, just, it's a delight for the senses really watching this movie. Yeah. I mean, it really is visually overwhelming you know when they're doing the um kind of uh ceremonial kind of fight thing that happens twice in this film you know we do see a lot of things in the story happen two and three times which you may say is a criticism i think it's just more of his storytelling device where he just sets it up and comes back to it later but like even little things like the you know the the ceremonial things and the kind of like body motions and the, you know, those kind of things and the chanting and stuff like that. It just, it all feels so big and bold and ambitious. So I don't know. There's just, there's just so many different things to, to chew on in this movie. I mean, you know, I could give a shit about the Stan Lee cameo. Get that out of there. Ugh. <laughs> yeah. I, I kind of hated the Stan Lee cameo. I'm done with him. Get him out of there. Didn't belong in this movie. <laughs> Yeah, that might actually be my cr biggest criticism. Get rid of that guy. You know, yeah, I, yeah, it was, um, it was silly. Uh, but then, you know, you also have that casino scene where it's not exactly like a one take. There's a couple of like CGI transitions in there, but that was another really great, like well-designed bit of combat. Great fight choreography there as well. Um, I love the car chase in, in South Korea. This movie is just so dense. Like, there's so much to talk about that we haven't even touched on. 
The car chase. Oh my gosh. And then the technology of that like remote car thing. That was so cool. Yes. Um, okay. I, I just remembered my one criticism of this movie. It's when, uh, T'Challa as the Black Panther is fighting Killmonger as the Black Panther. Uh, and it was like two CG'd Black Panthers for a little bit. Where and they're falling into the mine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They look a that was rubbery. the only. Yeah, that was the only part where I was like, "Oh, I don't like the way that that looks." That's my really only criticism of the movie, and that's you know, that's not so bad because I didn't find that as bad as the bad Superman CG mustache shave. That was right, horrendous. right. So yeah, <laughs> I mean the the positives on this film outweigh the negatives by you know a hundred oh, to one. Oh, yeah. in that car chase scene also, there's a, that car chase scene is excellent because there's a lot of practical stuff that's being done there. And there's yeah. one particular part towards the end of the car chase scene. Uh, it's really, really well designed seeing kind of the, the choreography of it all and how it all comes together. There's also a great trick that Kugler does where instead of following the action, uh, by going the same direction as the cars, there are a couple times where he goes the opposite direction of the cars. So all the cars pass the camera. But the camera's traveling in the opposite direction. That's a neat little trick, too. Uh, one of the, the final things that I really wanted to talk about, I mean, we could always dig up more stuff about this movie as we, as we go. Uh, but one of the things that I really wanted to mention is how Ryan Coogler identifies the theme of this film. And he describes it as, what do the powerful owe those in need? It separates mm. the good guys from the villains. What value is strength unless you're using it to help someone? Wakanda pretends to be just another struggling African country, but some of its neighbors are struggling for real. If Wakandans don't stand up for themselves, who will? But if they stand only for themselves, then who are they? Yeah. I love the thought process behind that. I love the story he's trying to tell here. Yeah, it's, um, as I mentioned before, it's so multi-layered, and it's, it's where you can see where, you know... It's not necessarily good versus evil. It, it It's just kind of they meet somewhere in the middle and they kind of exchange that um, that moniker of good and evil where you can see it from both sides. And um, yeah, it's so expertly executed and and just portrayed on screen. And it was just really fascinating. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's just a great movie. I really enjoy it. It might be my favorite Marvel film. It's the first one that I feel has something to to say about the world that we live in. Yeah. You know, that you can find some of those themes in various Marvel movies uh, all throughout. But to me, this is the one that, that makes the biggest, boldest statement. Yeah, I agree. And I would I highly agree. I would highly recommend for you guys out there that are listening, if you haven't seen the rest of Ryan Coogler's filmography, do it. Go, man, watch Creed. That movie is a million times better than it has any right to be when you hear that it's a Rocky spinoff movie. Because it's damn good. Uh, Fruitvale Station, it is a very good film and it will break your heart. I've even seen his short films. He's only done three feature length films and he did three shorts. He did a really good one called Locks. It was his first movie ever. Uh, and that's another one of those that I would recommend that film solely because what I was saying earlier about how you can watch his movie and he hides the character's motivations until the end. 
that's where he does it. That was the first time he ever used it. Yeah, he's an amazing, amazing storyteller. And knowing knowing that he is so young, how lucky are we to know that we are going to get so much more from him in yeah. the future? Yeah. I can't wait. I cannot wait to see what else he has up his sleeve because his storytelling chops are just so rich and i i pretty much now will go and see any movie as long as it has his name stamped on it i almost don't even need to see what it's about it's a ryan coogler film done i'm gonna go and see it well you know what it reminds me of in a weird way he kind of reminds me of ryan johnson in an odd way because when i listen to interviews with ryan johnson and i listen to interviews with ryan coogler Aside from them both having the name Ryan, there's something they both have in common, and that is confidence in their art and storytelling. Like, there is an unapologetic quality. There is a a, um, a resolve and a confidence in their creation that both of those guys have when they talk. And I love hearing that. Well, there's a fine line. I think there's a lot of co- there's a lot of directors that are very confident. In what they do. Um, But I think (laughs) one of the things that presses me with Ryan Johnson, and I haven't seen interviews with Ryan Coogler, so I don't know. But one of the things with Ryan Johnson is that he's confident, but he's not boastful about it. He's confident, but yet he's still humble. And... There's a fine line with being able to be confident and 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 creeping over into the um, arrogant line. You know what I mean? And I think there are so many directors that pass over into that. Um, so yeah, I haven't seen. I you know what? I actually don't even. If I were to look at a group of pictures, I don't know if I could pick Ryan Coogler out. I don't even know if I know what he looks like. <laughs> I just uh, I know him by name alone. I would I would go and watch some interviews with him. Uh he yeah. I love hearing the way he talks about film. I you know, I remember years ago. I remember like back in like the early 2000s where um some of the big like future stars, the rising stars were like Richard Kelly and Christopher Nolan and Darren Aronofsky. That's yeah. what Kugler is now. Like Christopher Nolan had to um you know, he had to earn the ability to do that big budget flick by doing these wildly successful independent smaller movies. Coogler's done the same thing. And, you know, that to me tells me that now, like, from a storytelling perspective, the world is his oyster. He can come back and do another Black Panther movie if he wants. He could do any movie he wants to make now. Like, he has kicked down the door. Do you think it. we're gonna? Do you think we're gonna see a sequel? Oh God, yeah! This movie's <laughs> gonna make so much fucking money. It's gonna make so much money. It's going to make well over a billion dollars. They would be stupid to not make another one of these. And I hope they bring back as much of this talent as they can because uh, I I really love this movie. I, to me, it's just it's just so rich and fun and funny and it is visually dazzling there's just so much to process and to chew on that it just it's it's a transcendent movie going experience i really love it small criticisms aside it's excellent i agree 
wholeheartedly. I agree. All right, you guys have heard our thoughts on Black Panther, but we'd like to hear from you, so hit us up on Facebook and Twitter at NerdFlixChill. Let us know your thoughts on Black Panther. Uh, you can also check out our website, NerdFlixAndChill.com, where you can find our links to subscribe on iTunes or listen on Stitcher, or you can just listen right there on the website. Uh, also, if you are listening on iTunes, throw us a five-star review because we really appreciate those. I want to thank everybody for listening to us. And until next time, may the force be with you because the night is dark and full of terrors. <laughs>